0: Now that the basement is nearing completion, our attention turns towards furnishing our new gaming space. Now I know that not everybody has a dedicated gaming space in their home, but you can make one easily enough just by simply adding one of the high quality gaming tables from BoardGameTables.com. Not only will it look amazing in your home, but it instantly transforms an ordinary place where you happen to play games to an extraordinary gaming space. So go check them out over at BoardGameTables.com and please mention Heavy Cardboard when you do. Heavy Cardboard, Episode 58, Solarius Mission. Coming to you from the Arctic Circle, welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts. I'm Edward. And I'm Amanda. So the basement's about 95% done or so. Finally got to see it. Pretty yes, exciting.
1: It's so awesome. I'm, oh gosh, I'm so excited to share it with everybody once it's completely done.
0: Yeah, we don't want to share pics yet until uh, all that's... Uh, Finished. So basically, we're waiting on some cabinets. So it could be a couple weeks still, but yeah, you'll see it when we're done. Yep. Heavy Con 17 is over 50% RSVP'd, so that's exciting. Woohoo! We're doing the latest Ask the Elephant figure. It's been a while since we've done one of those. It's been a long time, So basically, whatever you want to ask us, feel free. It'll be up in the guild, which is guild number 2044 Mm -hmm. over on BGG. Go check it out. Also, the Heavy Cardboard Herd Around the World, World Map. Yeah. Don't forget to go leave your pin if you haven't. The link will be in the show notes.
1: Mm -hmm. As always.
0: So I, and kind of we, but mostly I, have been doing this endless game day thing. Right. To where I don't know why it started. Just we got tired of sitting in front of the TV too much. And we're trying to wean ourselves off of DirecTV, to be honest. So we can cut that bill out from the budget. And so, plus, let's face it, we have all these games. We need to be playing them. So why not play them every day? And that's what I've been doing. So up over forty days consecutive games play or days played, and I'm starting up a a, a geek list over on Board Game Geek to kind of track it and open it up for comments and whatever to anybody. So if that interests you, Amanda's going to throw it in the show notes yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I've missed a few days here and there, but I'm definitely playing more games than I have been in a long time.
0: Which we both are, so yep. that's awesome. Yep. Lisboa just arrived, waiting on Vital to send some updated files, probably tomorrow for a few things, and then we're going to try and play it this weekend. So look for a first look, either Podblast or next episode uh, next week prior to the Kickstarter ending yeah. that might help folks that are on the fence one way or the other. Yep. And it's been a while since we've done a contest.
1: It sure has.
0: So let's do one, shall we?
1: Yeah, let's remedy that.
0: Paris Connection and a copy of Transcontinental Railroads, which is an expansion map for SNCF or Paris Connection, designed by Tony. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to give away one of each, so it's a package deal. You get a copy of Paris Connection and the Transcontinental Railroad map, which were only available through... HeavyCon attendees for last year. Mm -hmm. And we have some extra copies, and they're intended to be used as giveaways. Yes, they are. So go to heavycardboard.com forward slash PC contest, and you got to answer two questions there. Number one, what's your favorite heavy cardboard episode, and why is it your favorite? More extensive, you know, answers instead of just one or two word answers will be given preferential treatment let's just say huh? yes so yeah go check it out again that's heavycardboard.com forward slash PC contest
1: here are a couple of interviews for y'all that go with the episode we've got Yuli Bleneman our personal friend and the man behind Spielworks, who originally published games like Arkwright Legrand Ha Colon Colony and Colonialism and also Andreas Odenal or Odie as his friends call him designer of Legrand Ha No Siesta and Solarius Mission
0: So enjoy the interviews, y'all.
2: Welcome back to Spiel 2016, Heavy Cardboards Coverage. And I'm fortunate enough to be standing here with Andreas Odeno, or Odie. Hello. uh, The designer of Lagana and uh, the No Siesta. Yes. uh, As well as Solarius Mission. Yes. So very well. well, first off, thanks for joining me. I yes, appreciate. It's a pleasure. it.
3: pleasure. Really big pleasure.
2: Thank you for having me. Uh, my pleasure. So first off,
3: how's uh, Essen going? How's Spiel going for you? Are you enjoying it? Yeah, the first two days I uh, was games hunting myself for my private collection. So uh, for now I had only fun trying out new games. So uh, now it starts working as of today few few dates with publishers and introduce uh, showing them my games so now it's work
2: cool so uh you said you were buying games for your own collection was there any what was the
3: hot game for you what was the game you wanted most actually there was one game i was uh really i, I thought it was really good in particular that was roundhouse um s4 something the uh the taiwanese uh, people. yes the
2: taiwanese uh. and i missed it so I talked to the publisher. He
3: said that more copies are coming in November, so I'm gonna yeah. get mine then. Yeah, um, they um, published Burano last year and I picked it up also, but that didn't work out quite well for me. But this game in particular, I wanted to try out because of the nice rundown mechanism. And uh, we, we tested it and it was really fun, so we picked it up cool. Thursday morning very early, so we were lucky. Cool, cool. <laughs>
2: So let's talk, uh, let's talk design. So
3: first off, why do you design games? What, what triggered you into wanting to do this? Actually, it is a mixture of having a lot of time when other people are working. Because of my, my day job, it's, uh, I work with disabled people, wheelchair drivers, and I work full days. So when I work two days in a week, I have five days off. Wow. And um, normally people are uh, working, and nobody has time for me to play with me, uh, <laughs> my beloved board game. So I started uh, solo playing very much. Um, Agricola, Le Havre, Lorient. I'm a really big fan of Uwe's uh, games, so... Who isn't? <laughs> <clears throat> that uh, was a sweet spot for me. And so I started solo playing. And uh, well, a few years after that, I thought of my own ideas, and I met Uwe and we talked I play tested all of his games, or most of his games, and well, that wasn't the initial for me to, oh, maybe I have some nice ideas too, let's try it, I have the time, and yeah. So how long
2: was the process for LaGrania? How yeah, how long was it from first thought to actually handing it off to Spielworks?
3: Um That was maybe one and a half years. That's pretty quick. Um, yeah, is it?
4: I, I have
3: no um, experience in this. Uh, Lagrangia was my first game and now it's my second and third, so, and I only know those three. Uh, so I,
2: I've heard as quick as six months and I've heard as long as uh, 12 years. 12 so, years,
3: well, wow. So it runs the gamut. Yeah, actually, Solarius' mission uh, was uh, earlier than Lagrangia, but Lagrangia uh, got serious more early. And so we put it, uh, Solaris Mission aside, developed Lagrange, and after that we picked up Solaris Mission again. So this game is even older than uh, Lagrange. You want to talk a little bit about Solaris Mission? What
2: do you want to know? Uh, how did that come to be as well? And
3: you want to tell our listeners a little bit about the game? Actually, uh, the first time I started discussing board games with Mike, My co-designer was uh, when he had that little uh, dice game in space. It was, he had many ideas, but he asked me later to join in. And I designed the whole game from scratch up. And suddenly realized, oh no, that's a completely different game. (laughs) So we had two games instead of one game. And uh, we decided to work on both all the time. So we are both co-designers on both games. And uh, since Lagrange was my game and Solaris Mission was Mike's game, it was some kind of, well, he did his stuff and I helped, and LaGrangea was mine and he helped. And Lagrange got serious more early because uh, I knew Uli and he asked me if I can introduce him to the game. And so that gained momentum. So we put aside Solaris Mission for a bit, and after that Mike asked me again if I want to join in again and so that's the way the most games went. Cool. So they kind of brother games, maybe, can you say that?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so the, the latest for you is No Siesta, which is La Granja, the, uh, the dice game, right? Yes, right.
3: Um, yeah, that was actually the point of uh, making the game. I wanted to single out the uh, uh, dice drafting from the board game and make a smaller game uh, out of it because I really loved the, the dice mechanism, and I thought, okay, that could maybe be the way to have a, a own game, but with only this mechanism, the smaller one, and since that mechanism was in Lagrangia La also, I decided to design the game like Lagrangia, team wise and I was hoping that Only would pick it up again, um, but it was a little bit problematic, and the, the initial was that Stronghold game joined in on the production, so they could make a bigger print run and then they both picked it up uh, and published it jointly right
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so what's next for Odie well what do you have in the pike
3: actually I just uh, signed my the the force the contract for my force game just this morning and congratulations we will work we'll be working on it uh, for the next couple of months maybe it will come out 2016 uh, but maybe 2018 I can't say right now it's it's in the middle of the development, so. What is it, what's it about? It's some kind of a island exploring game, so every player has his own island, and you explore this island with tile laying mechanism. So you have double hex um, tiles, yeah, right, Uh, like you just showed and nobody could see it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you um, puzzle your own island on your own tableau Uh, but not only uh, 2D, two-dimensional, but uh, when you have one layer, you can add another level. And so you're puzzling in 3D on your own island. And the thing about that is that uh, resources are on the landscape tiles, like wood, um, food, and something like that. And the more levels you get, the the greater is the value of the good cubes that are placed on the landscape tiles. So, you not only want to discover the whole island, you want to make different levels uh, so your uh, resources would get a greater value. Sounds uh, interesting. That's basically the stuff you do on your tableau, on your own player mat, and you have to build houses on the the island, and you have to hire people so they can help you. Uh, And the basic core mechanism to do actions is some kind of worker placement worker movement, maybe, because you have workers on um, the middle of the table and they move between action spaces. You don't get them back uh, and place them again, so you move them. So it's a little bit like maybe a worker movement game.
2: So wherever you have them, maybe they stay where they're at and then you have to move adjacent to wherever that area... Yeah,
3: actually. Cool. Um, Yeah, that's that's, uh, the core of the game. That sounds interesting. Do you have any idea on
2: a name yet, so people can keep an ear
3: out for it? Yeah, I figured a theme uh, quite recently, and um, I don't know if I pronounced it quite uh, right, but it's called Roanoke. Roanoke, yeah, uh, yeah, off
2: of uh, the Virginia coast in the United States. I think Virginia, maybe North Carolina.
3: No, it's it's a um, theme I just discovered, I read about this, and it fits quite right, because there's this lost colony, and that vanished from, from the face of the earth. And I thought that would be a good idea for the game because you start to build that lost colony on your island. So the theme is you, when, the, when the colony vanished, that's when the ta- game takes place and you, you build that colony that got lost. So you change, uh, change history and uh, the colony is, is in the game, it exists within the game. So the theme is uh, came to the game quite recently, so I have to implement the theme now. And actually, I'm seeing all the pictures in my head, and uh, I'm very happy. as the spiel will end, I will take over and, and uh, redesign the game. Cool. So, it so fits to it, the scene.
2: Is that uh, just you? Is that an OD design, or is it a collaboration as well? No, well, that's
3: actually just me. Cool.
2: Very cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. So, uh, yeah, Um, good luck with the rest of your meetings and uh, enjoy the rest of Spiel. I appreciate you joining us.
3: Yeah, uh, very much. Thank you. And I hope you enjoy the Spiel too. Thanks.
4: This is Quentin Smith from Shut Up and Sit Down and you're listening to Heavy Cardboard. Spare a thought for them. They review the 18xx games so the rest of us don't have to.
2: All right, we're back at Spiel 2016, and I'm fortunate to be chilling out here with uh, my friend and publisher Uli Blennerman of Spielworks. So Uli, thanks for taking the time. I'm glad we do this, thank you. You are crazy busy every time I walk by this booth, which you're sharing it with ACD Blackfire, and it is packed all
4: the time. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's on one one thing, it's tire, tiresome after a while, but it's of course, it's the most um, important event here, and you simply have to do this. And it's good to see people really enjoying the games and playing the games, so it's also fun. It's also fun.
2: <laughs> yes, it is, and it's my first spiel, and it's unbelievable, yeah. truly unbelievable. So let's talk uh, publishing, so first off, how do you find the games that you that you find, be it Arkwright, be it Solarious Mission? Uh, there are so many others, Agora, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, the Thomas Spitzer
4: Cole trilogy. So how do you find these games? Uh, there are various ways um, for this. Sometimes I visit events where um, only authors and prototypes are there. Uh, the most important in Germany is Göttingen in early June. So there are about 300 games. Um, Shown um, by uh, authors, so just prototypes. So every all the publishers are there, and they may pick games afterwards. So that's one of the sources. And of course, the hippodice competition in Germany, which is the most important authors uh, competition. I'm fortunate to be in the jury. So of course, I've all, I've already played the top games, so I can pick some of them and. West of Africa, Kolen & Kolonie, Agora, Diluvia Project and most probably several others are really hipodized winners. So it's, a, it's an excellent opportunity. But of course you are um, immediately in competition with the other uh, companies. But I'm also fortunate that Spielworks is now at a complexity level where most other German companies immediately pass. They say, no, it's too complex, takes too long, we don't want to uh, have this game. So, for me, for me this is a good uh, situation. But now, Spielworks is a little bit more well known than a couple of years ago. So, some authors directly uh, come to me, present me a game, and so I can, can pick some, some titles in, in this way. So, and sometimes I just look up Board Game Geek and you see an unpublished uh, uh, game and, um, and you're interested. This was the case with uh, colonialism. So I saw on on, uh, on board game geek. So so everything is is uh, is possible. Why heavy games? Uh, Which because... I'm
2: grateful for, obviously.
4: But but why heavy <laughs> um, games? Actually, and this is not uh, really a joke. I have no time for short games and and uh, simple games. If I have just ten minutes uh, gaming time, I'm or a time to game, I rather read a couple of pages of a book. So I really want to. Uh, be um, drawn into a topic. I want to play, I want to have fun with uh, friends, not relearn rules, even if the rules booklet is long, it's for a whole evening. We are playing one game and have a great time. It's also in my mind um, that there is a kind of movie and most often this is with more complex games. at least in Germany, lots of the family type games, the theme is thinly layered up to it. And this is normally not my cup of tea. Of course, there are always uh, exceptions. exceptions.
2: Sure. Yeah. So your business model. So correct me if I'm oh, actually you tell, uh, you, you tell the <laughs> listeners what your business model
4: is. Yeah, Spielberg start, started with doing only 500 copies. Um, but nowadays, we are doing 1,000 copies. Sometimes there are exceptions. North American railways is 600 because I wasn't that sure. It's a not that long game, so the playing time is about 45 minutes. So I I wasn't that sure about it. Um, But I only I want first I want to have the wrists pretty low. Even if I'm only selling 400, 500 games out of a 1,000 print run, my money is back. Right. So, so this is uh, very important to me personally. Uh, so that's one of the reasons. But the other reason is uh, that I don't need lots of warehouse space. And also, I don't have to collect money from distributors. 24 months after release. Oh, we have sold the last 10 games, here are your 5 euros in, in Royal. <laughs> I don't want to have this. So, so this is not my business model. Uh, but also I believe, and sometimes I'm wrong, that there is not a too large market for some games. So I'll be careful. Sometimes I'm wrong with La Granja, you know, the total print run worldwide in several languages is now almost 20,000. And so, um, but still for me, I don't know this in advance. If I would know this in advance, I would uh, not be in this industry. And, uh, I, I would do something really <laughs> smart and not be a stupid uh, uh, board games publisher. So, uh, so my risks are pretty low, but I still think uh, that I can do something very special in this uh, regard. And then
2: after that thousand games, then you're all about licensing it out? Like, uh,
4: as an example, Capstone Games with Arkwright? Yes. Although I'm not necessarily doing this actively, so I don't need any licenses afterwards. Um, I'm happy if I can sell out a thousand copies in a reasonable amount of time. Then I'm totally happy. It's great, and the authors know this in advance but of course if somebody like uh, clay from capstone approaches me and asks for a license i'm very glad uh, that there is a second or with La Granja, a third third edition in some uh, languages because this is also good for the graphics artist who participates with all additional and sale and also for the author because they are giving me a gr- in my opinion a great design for a very low price very low price And the license money, a large part, is going to the author and to the graphics artist. So uh, this is very important to me, too. It keeps the whole uh, community in that respect healthy. Yes, and most of the time, not always, but this is life, but most of the time, the authors and the graphics artists, anyway, they are good friends of mine. So I want to support them, and they are doing a great job uh, for me and of course I want to give them something back because as probably lots of the listeners know apart from very few others uh, for most of it's a it's it's fun it's not making a lot of money but still if there is some money they should participate
2: so what's next it, well okay obviously this time we have Solarious mission and North American uh, railways uh, which both Correct me if I'm wrong, but both are sold out? Yes, right. Good right. problem to have, there but, you go. Know.
4: Um, but Fun Again still has co- uh, copies on the way to the US, so they will be available probably in November, I guess. Okay, right, in time for Con. Yes, right. So, uh, do, do you know what's going to be for 2017 already? Uh, uh, yes and no. So, um, I would love to publish three games, but I'm not sure about the third one. So, so it could be that I'm just doing two, uh, two games. One for sure, the first one is a Sense of Time by a US author, um, Jeff Warrender. Hopefully I'm spelling this not too wrong. Uh, it's a big Civ-type game, uh, but it's not a conflict game, so it's really nice games that should be out in spring. Which I'm excited about. It's
2: been on my radar for the better part of almost three years. And okay. it, with it being a Civ game,
4: I'm really, really looking forward to it. Thank you. so hopefully it, it, it is successful. and then afterwards in summer there will be uh, Gantes Gentes by Stefan Risthaus, who is doing Arkwright. And I'm sure that most of the listeners who love heavy games will love that one too. It's not as heavy as Arkwright, totally different uh, topic, but it has a, in my opinion at least the most exciting. Um, A timing mechanism in there. So all of the actions you are doing cost time in the game So you have to be careful what to select because after a while you have done enough or anything That is allowable in a turn and you have to be uh, Yeah, you have to be careful how to spend your your time in the game. It's very nice game.
2: Cool Uh, I'm actually talking to Stefan later
4: on today, and I expect to that'll get covered pretty well, so I'm excited about that as well. Stefan is a very creative uh, designer. He can do uh, lots of different things. He can do together with uh, his wife, who's also a gaming author. He can do kids' games, he can do light family-type games, and he can do an Ork Ride. So it's very good to work with. And he is very professional, although he has a different day job, but very professional in his day job. And we tested Ork a lot by Vessel. Uh, so electronically, because he does not live close by, but we could do a lot and he's really great. He's really great.
2: Cool. Well, hey, I know you are crazy busy. I see you flying in, a, in and out of doors all day, so I've taken enough of your time. Try and get out and enjoy a little bit of Spiel. I know you have meetings, but uh, thanks again for uh, all the support that you've shown me and
0: the show and keep up the incredible work. Really Thank- appreciate it. Thank
4: you very much. Thank you.
0: Big thanks to both of our friends, Uli and Odie, for taking the time out of their busy schedules over at Spiel to chat with me and to deal with my voice as it was. <laughs> I think it's interesting that Odie enjoys taking known mechanics and using them in new ways and transforming them as opposed to other designers that don't want to do that. And I think it's it's cool that you have people that fall on both sides yeah, of it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That. It's cool.
0: As for our friend I really wanted to talk to him about his publishing model and how he goes about finding a lot of the awesome games that he does. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I really was at how many games find their way to publishers that won various competitions or contests or whatever. So it was a cool behind-the-scenes look, yeah. and, that, and that's why I wanted to talk to publishers as well as designers.
1: Yeah, whenever you told me that, I thought that was that was not at all what I was expecting him to have said.
0: Yep. So, thanks again, fellas. And with that said...
1: Yes. Let's talk about a little Solarius Mission, shall we?
0: Let's. So, Solarius Mission, published at Essen 2016. So, 2016, designed by Andreas Odno and Michael Keller, the same two that are behind the big hit of La Granja back in 2014. The artist is Harold Leeske, which is always the case because it's published by Spielworks, and Spielworks he Harold is their their artist. Mm -hmm. It plays two to four players and plays, depending on player count and depending on experience, you're looking at an hour to two and a half hours. As far as availability and cost, unfortunately, it's sold out at the publisher level and it's available online at Maybe only one online game store, I think. But you guys can go and Google that. It's going for about 65 bucks. I also saw copies on eBay going for 65 bucks as well. Take that for what it's worth.
1: What's going on in the game?
0: Space. The final frontier. These are the Voyage... Wait, no. Sorry. Wrong game. My bad. Let's try this again. In space, no one can hear you scream. No, no, that, that's not it either. All right. Okay. So, on more uh, uh, on Mars, you're terraform... Never mind. I give up. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of space games out there this year. Some focused on Mars specifically, some just about exploration. And while there's some ex- abstracted terraforming here, Solarius Mission is very much the latter of the two. We think of it as a 2X game. Exploration and exploitation. Not so much expansion and exterminate. Those aren't here, hence the 2X. Now, how does it stack up against the other space games this year? Well, we'll get to that in a bit. Let me start by saying that there isn't a whole lot new here. It's just done in a new and, what we think, interesting way. Over the course of 16 turns, players are going to take turns drafting dice, using those dice to take varying amounts of actions, be it accumulating space bucks. And yes, they're called space bucks. <laughs> accumulating fuel to fuel their space travels, upgrading static dice, and their, uh, i.e. tech dice, used to track the number of available actions to take, or finally increasing their warehousing space for various goods. After doing the above... Players then have another choice before them, to fly or not to fly. If they choose not to fly, they can upgrade their engines, allowing for further flights and exploration, accumulate a handful of cards, or play one of those multi-use cards as either a mission to complete or as a development, which is a personal rule breaker that helps them and only them. Now, If they choose to fly, the players can fly their ships around space and colonize planets, build space stations, or complete those missions that they previously played or accepted. On top of that, they may be able to build one of six outposts, which will give a one-time bonus to help further themselves in the endless pursuit of victory points. After a player does all of that, then they reach into the bag of mystery, Well, it's a bag that holds the action dice anyway. Blindly select a die, roll it, make it available to the next player. And then the next player takes their turn, repeating this over the course of four rounds and 16 action turns. After which, players count up their points for completing missions, colonizing planets, building space stations, building the last chain of space things, think Terra Mystica's endgame round tracing, And a few other things. And whoever's done this better than anybody else in the solar system will be named Bob. Or, you know, the winner. I like Bob. Yeah. (laughs) So as far as scalability and plays and player counts, I've played it half a dozen times. Sadly, only played it at three and four players. But I'll be honest, I feel comfortable speaking to the two-player game as it won't be much different than the 3 and 4 player game.
1: Okay. I've played it for all at 4 players. I haven't I wasn't in any of the games that you did with 3. Um and you know, funnily enough, I have the lowest score and a 100% loss percentage according to BG stats.
0: That's terrible.
1: Yeah, I know, but I won Dominion last night.
0: Yeah, well, you didn't just win it, you crushed us. True. So there's that. Yes. So, as far as scalability, so to go back on that whole, hey, we haven't played it two-player, but can kind of speak on it, because the scaling is simply the number of action dice available uh, to the players to draw out of the bag, which there's always four dice available, so it's just change the number of players, change the number of dice, simple as that, as well as the number of planets that are placed on the board out on the different tiles at the beginning of the game. So, yeah, it's all based on player count, so there's really no effect to the feel of the game in the least as far as between two, three, and four players. All right. All right. So, Cardboard. You first or me?
1: I think we could we're both probably going to be able to speak about the same things.
0: All right. So, we'll start here. Components, graphic design, and artwork. We'll start with the components. And I think it's safe to say that there were some really poor choices made that will honestly end up hurting the reception of the game.
1: Yeah, I would I would agree with that.
0: So the wrong size discs came with the game. There are they're basically unusable. They're three or four millimeter little tiny discs that are smaller than a tic tac.
1: Well apparently it, it appears to us at least that somebody put a comma in between the one and the five for fifteen millimeter discs. And they are they are so tiny that They cling together static. static.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that was unfortunate. And I say unfortunate because of the fact that that could have been just an oversight. Like, oh, oops, okay, no big deal. Right. Right. Okay. However, the dice require stickering. It's 2016.
1: You can't get those specially made.
0: Yeah. I I mean, the games are getting to a price point now to where what's a couple extra bucks per uh, copy of the game for custom dice. And maybe, maybe it would have made it ten dollars more. I don't know. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I wanted to ask Uli about this, but I ran out of time on this, so I didn't. But nonetheless, stickered dice. It's 2016. That's not acceptable, yeah. at least to me anymore. I would agree. The bridge or the action selection board. Think Glass Road or or at Labora. It requires glue.
1: Yeah. Have you ever had to do that? Before with any other type of this type of rondelle system
0: no it's uh there's always been that little plastic piece right. that kind of snaps together yeah really come on man that's yeah. that's really unacceptable
1: and, and going back to the the discs for a second you matt and sweater mike had to go through our game collection to find discs that would be usable for the game
0: Right, yeah, we we actually pillaged uh, discs from Rococo and Lignum for the respective colors that we needed. Right um, now to to Spielworks and Uli's credit, he is sending replacement discs. He sent us replacement discs. Uh, so hey, good, and he's he's owning that. That like I said, that other publishers make similar mistakes, so that one can be somewhat overlooked in a sense. However. Never. He's not sending yellow and black discs, and every track on every player board needs one black disc and one yellow disc to track fuel and space box. And those little, tiny little discs, he says, oh, those are good enough. And that just, that irks me. Yeah. It really does. Yeah.
1: It does me too. I don't, they're not.
0: Yes, you could functionally use them. You would have to
1: get out your war game tweezers though.
0: It's just, it's, it's unfortunate. Yes. Um, so yeah, I I I don't want to belabor the point, but those three things, not so much the discs. Okay, send replacements. And let's face it, anybody who's getting a Spielworks game probably has enough games in their collection to where they could find discs of different colors that would work. Right. It, it t- temporarily until yeah, he yeah. sends replacements. Yeah. So okay, whatever. But the other two, the the whole gluing things together, and on top of that. Uh, the bridge or the little uh, action selection Rondell thing that you have to build there. It it uses a one of the pieces of cardboard that it looks like just an extra piece in the punch board. It's unlabeled in any way. So I've heard stories about people throwing them away accidentally yep. and then having to figure out something else to do. Uh, so just little things like that just... Pissed me off. I'll be yeah. honest. So that that really that really bugged me.
1: Yeah, that's very very irking.
0: Yes. So outside of that, though, the rest of the components yeah. pretty solid. They're they're thick uh, player boards. Mm-hmm. There's thick tiles for the sectors. There's seven sector tiles for building the board. Um, they're kind of like jagged uh, hex shaped pieces. So. Well done on that. the 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 cards, the mission cards slash t- uh, re- uh, development cards are they're not linen finished, but they're they're fine yeah. co- uh, quality. Haven't felt the need to to uh, to sleeve them yet. There's plastic minis for the starships, which those are a little small and a little hard to pick up for those of us with bigger hands. But again, that's really not a big deal yeah. to me. Um, so overall. I would say unsatisfactory as far as component quality overall.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. So just, I think the reason that it bugs me more than the actual me personally having to deal with that sticker the dice and do all that stuff, it's it's the fact that it's going to cause some folks to not buy the game and just pass it over out of hand because of that. And at this point in time, just custom dice are expected.
1: Yeah, just yeah.
0: across the board, people expect that. Raise the price, folks aren't going to squirm over it, in my opinion.
1: No, I, I don't. I don't think so at all.
0: Now the player aid—I'd say it's about eighty percent good. There are two issues in particular that I have with the player aid. There's no mention anywhere of outposts being available to be built, possibly in addition to spaceflight actions. Mm-hmm. Could have been done. That that's a glaring oversight. And also the Terra Mystica scoring for the longest connected route, because the bottom part of the player age shows the final end game scoring. Everything else I can you can you can make sense out of. That it's yeah. Greek. Yeah, the, the just,
1: iconography for that piece is pretty bad.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Another thing about the components that I will say that I like anyway is that the um all of the resource cubes are the same color. So you don't have to have four different Pieces, you know, four different colors of cubes that you're going after, and and everything keeping track of. You have they're all pink, and you do which stand
0: out. They're 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 really clear. You can see them clearly across the side of the table. Exactly,
1: and just wherever they are on your player mat is what they what they are, what indicates what they are.
0: Yeah, and I think that's just smart use of of not having to get different color resources. And I don't feel like it's a a uh, way to skimp on, no, on quality I, yeah, or anything. No. I think it's a deliberate decision and I, I applaud yeah, it. I think it's a good decision. It's a
1: convenience issue.
0: Right. So moving on. The box size. It's the same size as last year's Deluvia project or similar to uh, games like Great Western Trail or Wildcatters. Yeah, it's a square. It's 12 by two, uh, I'm sorry, 12.2 inches by 12.2 inches by three inches. Or for our folks that, you know, do use the metric system, that's 31 centimeters square by seven and a half centimeters thick. So it, 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 it's a good size box, but it fits in with other uh, boxes, similar like Agricola's size and mm-hmm. style when it's turned on its side. Yeah. All right. Moving on to graphic design. I think mostly it's well done. Yeah, you what bad. do you think?
1: It's not bad. Most of it is pretty clear, but just about all of the progress cards have to be explained by the glossary.
0: Yes. There the the rule book is one book and then it comes with a second book, which I applaud them for mm-hmm. doing. It this is a it's what call, what's called the glossary and it shows all the space station cards and exactly what they do and what all goes into those as well as all of the mission and development cards, right. it explains them, and they're all numbered one through... Like
1: 26 or 28 or something? Yes,
0: yeah, something like that. There's there's a fair number yeah. of them, and, and they're all numbered, and you just go and reference them. But yes, However, it does require almost unilaterally to be able to go look them up.
1: It does, and, and another problem is that the glossary is another story in and of itself because not all of the explanations are crystal clear.
0: Yeah, you, I, I don't know if it's a translation issue because obviously Spielworks and Uli and Odi and I'm, I don't know about Michael Keller, but they're all German. Right. So this is obviously originally done in German. So I don't know if it's a translation issue or if they're less than clear in German as well. And we'll get to the rule book here in a little bit. I will say good job uh, with the technology dice and tying those into the planets to give indication on what it's going to take to settle the planets as one example of really consistent graphic design throughout. And I think they did a really, really good job with that. The key, like I said, is that consistency, which at a glance, it gives you the information that you need to know Mm -hmm. on the player boards. There are, uh, there's a lot of information, but honestly, I would say 90, 95% of it is, oh, okay, that makes sense. I understand that. There are a couple exceptions on level four of the the technology on your player board. It says zero to three victory points. What does that mean? Does it mean you can put zero to three cubes there? No, it means depending on your warehouses, how those are full, and you're going to get victory points as long as that's uncovered. So little stuff like that Really not super clear, but overall, I would say a, a, a fair job, a, a, a reasonable job on the graphic design.
1: Yeah,
0: I would agree. Artwork.
1: Nothing to write home about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's unremarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, on both, you know, it's neither wow and it's neither winsome.
1: Right. You know what I mean? As far <laughs> as just
0: super stark. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. somewhere in between. It's, it's functional. Fine, it water. doesn't get in the way. It's, it's, it's fine.
1: Yeah. So, uh, rulebook clarity and quality? So. Yeah.
0: I love Uli. I mean, he's he legitimately is a, is a personal friend of mine. But uh, frankly, this is the second issue that I have with the game. And this one pisses me off. Uh, it took three of us a couple of hours to get through the rulebook sitting at the table trying to learn the game. And we still got things wrong.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: We're intelligent folks, and we are very experienced gamers, all three of us that were sitting there, and we still struggled with this. I'm really gonna start harping on each and every publisher that puts out a rule book that impedes players from learning the game from it. If players struggle with your rule book, they might just pass on your game altogether and potentially pass on you as a publisher and pass on the designers because this this looks bad, to them, it, oh, is this what I can expect? If that's the case, I'm just not, oh, it's a Spielworks game, or it's an OD game, I'm just not yeah. gonna bother. Yeah. And you can see that in some of the comments Absolutely. on BGG.
1: Absolutely.
0: And I realize that some of these are limited print runs and this and that, that does not excuse it. In this day and age, there is zero excuse to not blind test your rule book in your game. What I mean by that is give Give the game and the rule book to players that are unfamiliar with it and say, here, go learn it. If they can't, obviously you have work to do. You can ask them to highlight what is not clear. Let me go through and do it. And then you give it to someone else to try and then learn it. I have a hard time believing that this happened with this game because if so, these, these questions that we had and these things that we consistently played wrong, and it's not just us, other people on BGG are having the same issue, just... I've heard for other games and other publishers that there's not enough money or not enough time to do that. Bullshit. No longer are we as gamers and reviewers going to allow this to pass without crushing you for it. Make having your rulebook as close to po- as flawless as possible a priority because if people cannot read your rulebook, they will not play your game unless they're a fanboy or something exceptional makes them drive through it. So, boo on you. Anybody who puts out subpar rule books from this point forward. Sorry, Uli. You just happen to be the first.
1: Yeah. I 100% agree with yes.
0: So, yes. That pisses me off. However, I will say big, big props to Miko Sari for writing up a condensed rules file over on BGG. That's going to be a huge help for folks learning without a teacher uh, who knows the game already. And also... As angry as I am about the rulebook, and as much as angry as it makes me, I will give kudos to both Odie and Mike for being active over on the BGG Guild, uh, BGG uh, Game Forums, it, to be responsive with game rules questions, because there are a number of them, because the rulebook is what it is. So, all right, enough about that, moving on, all right? <sighs>
1: Everybody take a breath.
0: So... As far as setup, teardown, teaching, learning, etc., the setup, it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. The tiles are randomly set around the center tile. So you have seven tiles, the center one and six around the outside. You can face them whatever direction you want as far as, you know, clockwise, counterclockwise, however you want to orient them and then put them, you know, you can put them alphabetically because each one has a commercial hub space, A through F. You can put it however you want. After that, each player gets their own pieces, their player board, dice, discs, etc. And then after that, you just make piles of stuff, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. And you have the dice bag and you put the cards out. It's 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 pretty pretty simple. There's a lot of pieces to it, but not like a lot of pieces right. like Feast for Ode and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it's not it doesn't take very long at all.
0: As far as teardown, baggies are gonna be your friend here because there's no insert, which I'll be honest, I'm totally okay with because most inserts are crap anyways. Correct. So just bag up all the pieces for each individual player in a three by four inch baggie and include the four, four resource cubes. As That's a starter amount for each player anyway. Bag up everything separately and you're good to go. The space tiles and the same size bridge or the action selection uh, or a labora type mm-hmm. wheel, um, those don't get bagged up. Now, as far as teaching and learning... It's a bit of an involved teach. The, w- the way I go about doing it is I explain how a round works. Place a commercial hub for that round. Then each player does three things on their turn. Everybody selects a die and then take the associated actions on their player board. Then either do a spaceflight action or a non-spaceflight action. If spaceflight, you possibly can build an outpost as well. Then after that, you draw a die, roll it, place it on the bridge to go with the other three that are already there, and it's the next player's turn. I tend to touch briefly during teaching on on final scoring, but about halfway through, once folks are kind of getting the game, then I do a a more detailed mentioning on how final scoring works, including that longest route uh, scoring and how that works. Yeah. So going to change it up a little bit this time, and we're just going to roll straight into... The, the four things that we think add to or don't add to the weight of a game. So the first thing, we have the complexity. Rules complexity, overhead, mechanical complexity, etc.
1: Once you are taught the game.
0: Once you get through the rules. Yeah, it's,
1: there's not a ton of, of rules overhead. Um, no, there really isn't in my opinion.
0: Did you feel like the game's intuitive and it, it, it has a flow to it?
1: Yeah, I'd yeah. say so. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I I really do. I, I feel like um, the player aid does a, a pretty decent job it of does. guiding you through a turn. Okay, I did this. Oh, right. Now i got to choose one of these to do that type thing. So as far as the, the rules complexity, I don't feel like it's there. It's just a poorly written rule book right. and has holes. And so that's where the the complexity comes from as far as that goes. It's trying I feel to like. figure
1: out what's going on, not necessarily... The rules.
0: Yeah, and as far as the actual gameplay goes, it didn't feel fiddly at all for no. me. Um, at no point did I, I did I think the game felt rules heavy or tedious or anything like no, that. No, not at all. So I don't feel like uh, as far as complexity that added anything much to the weight here. Now, as far as planning, forethought, and all that, what do you think?
1: It takes quite a bit of planning. The game is easier to go into with a plan but that plan requires a lot of thinking ahead and figure out what figuring out what you want to do and how to achieve those goals.
0: Yeah, for a game for a game where dice are rolled that affects your actions, it's surprisingly strategic. You know, each turn on the prior player's turn, so if you're second, whoever's going first during that first player's turn, you already know 75% of the available actions, meaning you know 3 of the 4 dice that are going to be available. you on your turn so you can start planning ahead and then to even go back even further than that there's no player conflict here so you can kind of go in your own direction without too much interference which you know save for someone choosing the dot the specific die that you wanted you're able to play missions early on and maybe just focus on missions right you're able to focus on exploring planets if you want or focus on building space stations or a little bit of from column A, a little bit from column B, a little bit from column C. But the game allows for that longer term planning along with tactical deviations if they're wanted or needed.
1: And speaking about missions, you have to plan for them because you always have to have there's always there's recipe fulfillment for all of them. So you have to plan to get those the pieces to fulfill the recipe, but you also need to take into consideration where you fulfill those missions.
0: And have you already gotten the mission card that you want? And then previously, did you play that mission, right. et cetera?
1: There's a, yeah, there's a lot going on with the missions.
0: And, and this is one of those games to where you can go into the game prior to game and be like, you know what? This game, I'm going to focus on missions. And so from turn one, boom, I'm playing missions. Yeah. I'm completing missions. I'm playing more missions. I'm completing mm-hmm. missions. And you can focus solely on that. And so... For those planners out there that don't want people messing with their stuff. There's not really a whole lot of that. Mm-hmm. So that allows you to do that. So as far as planning, yeah, I think there's quite a bit oh, yeah. here.
1: Yeah. And you also have to think about the end game of trying to make sure that all the wood pieces are connected so that you can be a contender in that part of the scoring. As right.
0: Well. Yeah. All
1: right. So... Luck and random factors about you know a game with dice.
0: Yeah, so there's dice and they're rolled, but it's input randomness, which I'll be honest, I didn't find I don't know what objectionable. No. I mean, dare I say, I kind of enjoyed yeah. the the forced tactical decisions mm-hmm. that that are that are really forced upon a player due to the die rolls. I enjoy that. Plus there's ways to mitigate not having the right dye color mm-hmm. or the right number of pips of the right dye color that you wanted.
1: Right, I like to it's a love and hate thing because it's frustrating to to not get a roll that you really really wanted, but it also makes you think outside the box and come up with your own solutions to things.
0: Right. So it doesn't it doesn't f- force feed you, but at the same time, it doesn't handhold. So it's kind of a happy balance as far as that goes. Yeah,
1: it's it's frustrating and fun, you know, both to try and figure your way out of a possible very inconvenient situation. Right.
0: So there's also random card draws for missions and developments. But again, I didn't feel like if I'm drawing a card, it's not like, oh, I'm never going to be able to do that mission. No, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I could do that. Or... All of the developments or those kind of individual rule breakers that you can, uh, the multi-use card, you can use it for the mission or that. Pretty much all of those developments are really cool. Mm -hmm. And you really have to force yourself to stay on target to, ooh, shiny, Yeah, look at this amazing. Oh, wait, no, no, that's not what I'm doing. I need to do this over here. So, yes, there is that random card draw, but at the same time, there aren't really a lot of cards that i noticed that just suck
1: no not really i can't i can't think of anything right
0: so then there's the randomness of the planets that can be explored so they're in the four colors the same as your technology dice that are on your player board so you know what the requirement range will be when you go to settle this planet when you go and you flip it over Oh, that's the specific requirement. But at least I knew, hey, if I go to a yellow planet, that's going to require me to get my space bucks mm-hmm. up to a certain amount. I don't know that number. Yeah. It could be seven. It could be nine. It could be whatever. Mm-hmm. But at least I know that's what this planet is going to correlate to. So at least you have some information. And it's not just a pure, woo, let's see what this is.
1: Right. And also that's kind of cool End game. It's good to fly to the planets that match the color of what you may have really focused on during the game because you might be able to just get basically free points at that point. Just go grab it. Oh, I, oh, I match it. Great.
0: I already qualify for this. Boom, it's auto-settle that right. type thing. So last but not least, the get it factor. I think it's probably the first quarter of the game meaning the first full round yeah, the so first ev- full round. Yeah. everybody has taken four actions they've selected dice four times they've flown or not flown four times and then they've drawn more dice for the other players four times now final scoring and the longest connected route of player pieces might trip some folks up the first time they see it but it's not major points and it's, it's just not going to be a huge swing one way or the other. Yes, if it's close, it's going to it could potentially decide a game. I get that. But if it's your first game, it's probably a learning game anyway. So that's not really a huge deal. Also, there's a lot of different things here that get scored. So players are going to be likely to overlook a handful of them to begin with right. in their first play. Otherwise, there's just not too much terrible difficulty here. I don't think that's... That once you've gotten past the rules, you're off and flying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that. I, I also think one one full round around the table.
0: Okay. So with all that said, yes. what do you think? Heavy, medium, somewhere in between? What do you got?
1: Somewhere in between. I w- the, the rules overhead, I would say, makes it medium. But the planning, I think, is what makes it medium heavy.
0: Yeah. I think it, it depends what your background is. I yeah. would say if you're coming from, you know, you play a lot of Phil Eckling games and, you know, all that, this is going to be, you know, on the uh, medium yeah. side of things. Uh, it's about the same weight as something that, you know, games that have come out this year or like Great Western Trail or Terraforming Mars. It's definitely lighter than arc rate, but I would say heavier than Hospital Connect.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely heavier so, than Hospital Connect.
0: There yeah. you go. All right, cool. All right, so... Do you like the game?
1: First I do. Off. I do. Yeah. I mean, Recipe Fulfillment is always fun. I like that kind of game. And my personality works well when I have a list of things to do. So, of course, Recipe Fulfillment is always a big plus for me.
0: And I like a well done dice action selection game. And that's what this is at its core. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, games like Signori, Madeira, uh, Panthalos, stuff like this. I really, really enjoy dice used in unique ways and they very much are here. Very, very I, much. Yes. I, I I wouldn't say unique in a sense that, wow, this has never been done before. No, but it has, but the way everything is integrated here, um it kind of has a feel of like Grand Austria Hotel in the way that the dice selection works. Or similarly, uh something like Panthalos. I, I I just really enjoy... This type of game, I've noticed, yeah. as long as it's done well, and I would say, for the most part, it's done really well here.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. I also like um, exploring the planets, being able to make the decision on whether to colonize it or just exploit it to get the get resources for the same number that is the victory points on it. And um, you know, I I like the aspect as well because you don't have to colonize every planet you go to. You can you can go like I was saying before. You can go to the color of whatever you're excelling in. If you meet it, great. If you're close to meeting it, great. If you're not, exploit it and move on.
0: Right. And I like the balance of some of the bonus actions that you can take. So whenever you take an action, one of the dice at the beginning of your turn, you have base places that you can place it. Like, okay, it just does whatever color die it is and for however many pips. But then there's those star pips that, oh, whatever the... The level of your dice are, that's how many actions you get. But on top of that, there are two other spaces on your player board that you can place it that do something different with the dice. You not only get those regular actions, but maybe, you know, all that's out there are brown and yellow dice, and I really need a black die. Mm-hmm. Well, I can put, there's one spot available per round every four actions. To be able to put it down there and change the color of the die. Cool. All of a sudden, this brown die is now black. Awesome. So there's that little way of mitigating bad die rolls or bad draws for die rolls.
1: Right. And you can also use space bucks to increase the number of pips that are on the die. So if there's only, if people are rolling crappily and there's a bunch of ones and you just happen to have a lot of space bucks. Crappily? Oh my gosh. I didn't even mean to say that. Wow. That was well done, Snake Eye what? They're snake eyes and dice. What are you looking at me like that for?
0: Crappily? though.
1: Well, it's like craps.
0: Um, Oh, we were
1: totally thinking of different things. What were you, were you just making fun of my English? Yes, totally. A hundred percent. Okay. All right. Anyway, people can, no, people can roll crappily (laughs) and you can use space bucks to increase the number of pips.
0: Now on that note, there is one little cool thing i think it's it's kind of a balance that there's a thing called space contamination yes because there's contamination in space so what happens is if you take if you if the person before you or people keep leaving these high dye rolls and they're juicy and you're like i can't not take them i am i love extra actions <laughs> the balance to that is if you get if the die you take gives you personally three or more actions you get a space contamination which no big deal you got room for three of them but once you accumulate more than three now it's gonna the game's gonna penalize you for a point every one additional that you take and you can never get rid of those that are negative points however there's also ways to mitigate that you build space stations which provide you more spaces to go ahead and place extra contamination so you don't have to care about the space environment if Mm -hmm. you don't want if you're doing that if you're not doing that then you have to be a lot more discerning when it comes to choosing dice because oh i don't have room for any more Mm -hmm. space contamination man i really want to take that three action die i can't because i don't want to lose the points so there's that little bit of game force balance as far as another way to mitigate those dice, which, yay, right. in, my, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: I agree. There's quite a bit of replayability in the game because the, the planets that you put down are going to always be different. The cards are never going to be the same. You're never going to pick up the exact same cards that you did the last game.
0: And there's enough options for the player to go do their own thing and it's going to make you want to come back both to try and do better with that same strategy that you you did eh okay on and try and do better at that but also you can go explore other strategies and we have found that there are definitely multiple paths here oh, yeah? you you can diversify and do well you can you can focus on certain things and do well and those certain things are colonizing planets and missions and and, and uh space stations and stuff. So you can focus on that, but you are limited on the number of these that you can actually do. So there is a small part of uh, a small amount of forced uh very or forced diversification, but you can still focus on this and do a little bit over right. here or you can just do some over here, some over here and some over here and still do well. So yeah, a lot of a lot of replayability For in sure. From that aspect of the game. Yep. I feel like I get enough of a satisfying brain workout regarding the dice selection and your player tech tree dice. All your dice, save for one, start with one pip, which denotes the quantity of actions available for you depending on what die you take. Mm -hmm. Do you up the pips of the dice to then give you more actions when you choose the same color dice in the future? Or do you just... Take it and use it for resources right now. So, or maybe you use them to slide over and create more warehouse room, which also grants you better quality resources, which makes them more efficient for completing missions later on, building space stations and stuff. Or do you just do the instant gratification type thing and just grab them as resource cubes right now and use the actions for that? There are real decisions which are going to affect your strategy. And it, it really, due to player choices, it's going to make for asymmetric just games for everybody. Yeah. So the game's mechanically simple, but there's enough meaty decisions to keep players engaged as long as they want to be engaged. And nothing is quick to accomplish. And we kind of hit on yeah, this earlier. Yeah.
1: It takes a while. <laughs>
0: And that's a good thing, I think. So as an example, look at what all goes into completing a mission. And like I said, we kind of hit on this earlier, but here I'll lay it out here. You have to get the cards in your hand on one turn. Then play the card as a mission on a subsequent turn. You have to gather resources, hopefully having done some of that previously, but you very well might need more, so that's going to take more actions. Then you have to fly to a commercial hub to complete it, but then you have a choice. Do you fly to a completed commercial hub and you get a one-time bonus for completing a mission next to a completed commercial hub, or do you fly to an uncompleted one because maybe you don't have big enough engines? to go far enough to Mm -hmm. get to a completed... You
1: just gamble that hopefully that one will be completed soon.
0: Exactly, which then will give you that bonus later. And if you guess wrong, well, I'm sorry for you, but at least you completed that mission. And we've yet to see anyone complete the six missions that a player is allowed to. So again, more replayability. Mm -hmm. But that goes back to showing that that planning that we had talked about really comes into play that you can't just, Oh, I'm going to do a mission. Do, 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 do. No. no, you really got to plan out from early on. Hey, I'm going to do this. Now there are instances to where, Oh, I drew this. Oh, look, yeah, I'm already most of the way there. Yeah. yeah okay. Let me, let me switch directions. What I was going to do and go complete this mission. Oh yeah. I still got to play it. I still got to get mm-hmm. this stuff, et cetera. So yeah, I think that's only a good thing. And it's, it's not just missions that do this. It's, you know, for your space stations. It's for your outposts. It's, it, it's, it's for all these yeah, different things and colonizing planets. Exactly, yep. So it's, yeah, this is only a good thing in my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm, I agree as well.
0: We've touched on the mitigation of dice, which I think if you're going to have some sort of input randomness like this, that it's important to give players control or at least some control over ways to keep it becoming just a total random luck fest which this game does a very good job of I think. Yes I agree. No one has to have the same goal so you look at a game like say Rochefort we're all going to end up in the same place but how we get there or a game like Great Western Trail Mm -hmm. we're all going to end up in the same place but how we get there is how this that's different and you really can kind of Forge your own path in this game, which I appreciate. I see some of the same things from La Granja, but this very much is not La Granja in space. It's its own game, which I'm grateful for. The similarities. It has the multi-use cards like other uh, Carl Chudik games, you know, like Glory to Rome, Innovation, stuff like that, or La Granja. There's cubes on your player board that act as resources based on where they are. You're completing uh, space stations. They grant you immediate bonuses and permanent bonuses. There's lots of ways to, to get points. So it almost kind of feels that Uwe Rosenberg or Stefan Feld, in parts, but not, which is kind of I'm noticing a hallmark of these two designers. Yeah. Um, so again, it has a a taste. Of La Granja, but it's not La Granja, which mm-hmm. I think is really important because we were lukewarm on La Granja, yeah. and I think we enjoy this more.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. It's it's like they took a teaspoon of this and a cup of that, and you know made a game out of it.
0: Right. I felt that the reward that the game gave me made it worth slogging through the rule book and dealing with the the component stuff. Um, not all games can say that, and not all games would be worth. That effort, but I I felt rewarded for that. I felt like it it was worth me doing that. All right. I'm six plays in, and I still want to play it more. Mm-hmm. Always a good sign. So as angry as the rule book makes me, overall, yeah, I'd say I I, I enjoy the game more than I don't.
1: Yeah, I would, by, I would. By a
0: fair bit. actually. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I would agree. I mean, I didn't have to slog through the rule book. I left that to you, Matt, and Sweater Mike. But, um, I. I still, I still continue to want to play the game.
0: Cool. All right. So on the flip side, things we don't like. We've already talked on yeah, the, the components of rule book. Yeah. So for me, mission diversity is lacking. There are two types of missions in the game. X number of resource cubes of two different colors or X number of research resource cubes of one color and a specific resource cube of X level mm-hmm. of a different color. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. That's it that's all of them.
1: Right. It's but I don't know what else you could do though. I mean, other than like maybe the only thing thing that pops into my head is x number of planets of this color or something like that to complete a mission.
0: Or add another step into it that you have to be this mission requires you to go to commercial hub x, you know, a b c or d maybe. Right. I don't know or like two of these commercial hubs mm-hmm. and that type thing. I I I I understand what you're saying, yeah. and I won't disagree with you. It's just they felt repetitive and and basic.
1: Oh, they're very repetitive. Yes, I would agree with that. It does feel a bit like multiplayer solitaire. Yes,
0: there is a there's
1: there's a little bit of player interaction, but not a ton.
0: Yeah, the, and I would say the majority of the player interaction comes from the dice selection, like oh. Why did you take my die? Exactly. I really wanted my die. Right.
1: Or making fun of somebody that can't roll anything but a one.
0: Right. So there, there is a little bit out on the board, but it's there's just not a lot out no. there. So if, if that would bother some folks, then be aware of that. Objectives, the settled planets, like missions, pretty basic. And they just don't have a whole lot of meat to them a, as much as I'd like. So... I use the example of the yellow planets. Those have to do with your space bucks. If you have to get to a certain level of space bucks and then spend X amount, whatever it says. And hey, you get three victory points or two or whatever. The black planets, those that you have to get your fuel level mm-hmm. just like the space buck one. Yeah. Or they're just they're just very basic. And again, I don't know. I haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking, oh, how could we improve them? Mm-hmm. That's not my job. Right. I'm not the designer right. or the developer of the game. So that's not my job. But my point is they just felt a little basic and a little, oh, yeah, hey, look, I qualify for it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Right. Done. It's,
1: it's like in WoW, you know, go get four boar skins and return to me. It's like it's just it, it is very basic. But again, I don't know what you would do to change it.
0: Fair. So my big issue now, outposts. We have a habit with our game group, due to poorly written or worded rulebooks, to make games harder on ourselves and more tense than they're intended to be. We've done this now with Great Western Trail. We've done this with Solarius Mission. We did this with Mombasa. Yep. Although Mombasa, that's that's on us. That's not on the rulebook. <laughs> um, and that was the case here. So Outposts, we thought, had two rules for placement when you complete a mission, or when you build a space station, or when you colonize a planet. We thought the two rules had to be number one, you're only allowed one outpost per player per tile. Okay, that is still the rule, so you're good there. But we thought that the rule book said that in addition to that, it has to be that the very first shape of wood On that tile as well. And what I mean by that is. Missions are cubes. Space station are. Little hexagonal um, markers. And then colonies are round disks. So in other words. If Amanda had gone onto tile F. Let's say. And she had colonized the planet. But she didn't put down an outpost there. Or even if she did. Didn't matter. If I go there and I colonize. I can't. Put an outpost there because she already had the same shape of wood on that tile. Well, kind of find out no, it's just poorly written and no. So what that means is now all you have to do it has to be the first of your piece of wood on that tile. So that makes it so much easier to do. And to be honest with you, I think that's a really bad thing and here's why. It removes some of the interaction from the game and it makes building outposts too easy. It also removes the enticement of striking out on your own and going to unexplored sectors or tiles so that you can be the first to place place this piece of wood so that you can place an outpost and get those really needed bonuses that those outposts provide. But since there's no first player to place X shape of wood then there's no need to go your own way. It completely removes that aspect of the game. And one viable strategy that we thought was an important thing, potentially it could be, if you decided to go that route, and it just removes that from the game. Now, is this a an us problem due to the rulebook? It's possible, but... I'll be honest, now that it's been cleared up by Odie in the BGG forums, I almost kind of have a pang of disappointment that it's so much easier now to place yeah. Outposts.
1: I haven't played it since we figured this out, so that that's very weird.
0: Yeah, and so now the question I have and I'm struggling with is, do I ding the game for that? Because it's not the rules. We played it incorrectly for six plays, right. I'll be honest. But
1: we played it incorrectly because of the rule book.
0: Right. So where do we draw that line? I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. But now, does this become now I understand that a lot of designers say, "Hey, play it however you want. You own the game." I get that. But let's face it, we all like playing correctly and playing by the rules. Now, is this maybe a variant that we throw in because we like the, you know, we hate ourselves and we're <laughs> <laughs> we're we're secret masochists, anyways. Um, maybe I don't know, but but yeah, I've been really struggling with this ever since I discovered this this rules uh, thread on BGG because I thought it was laid out in the rules. So I went back and I, I reread it after I read the thread, and I was like, huh, yeah, it could be interpreted either way, and we mm. just always interpret it the harder way. Uh-huh. We do. And so, yeah, I'm curious. I I, I think that's going to make for interesting discussion or not. And people just tell us we're idiots. I don't know. <laughs> but it it's something that I've been really struggling with, especially since, let's face it, we give games ratings. And that really impacts the game very for much. me. Very much.
1: Yeah, very much does.
0: So, anyway, moving on. Uh, one last thing is downtime can be an issue, but it shouldn't be an issue. Players can plan out enough of their turn prior to their turn so that downtime shouldn't be limited and turns should be fairly swift, but that's not always the case, especially early on in your first well, player. Yeah, two.
1: that's going to be hard, but I mean, if you're AP prone already, it, it's just magnified by this, but you have to be. You have to be planning when it's not your turn.
0: Yeah, I mean, but I think that's just called being engaged and being considerate. So if you're not, boo on you, right?
1: Well, yeah, but it it also can be... I mean, honestly, for me, sometimes it's difficult to plan that far ahead when it's not my turn because I have no idea what die is going to come out. If none of the die that are out there are anything interesting that I want and the space on my player board has, that has already been used that changes the color and I have no money and all of those things, if... If that's the case, I don't want to, it would take me way longer than everybody else's turn for me to come up with 15 contingency plans. I would rather just wait until it's my turn and take the time then.
0: That's fair, but at least you're looking at that and evaluating that when it's not Eh, your turn. Okay, You know what I'm saying? So you're at least looking at that. And as long as players are doing that, no fault on them. They just, okay, well, shoot. Uh, that didn't play out how I expected. Okay, so what do I need to do? And I'm going to make lemon lemonade out of lemons. So that's fine. But it, for players that don't do that, don't do that. Right. You know?
1: Okay, that's fair. All
0: right. So a few comments that I, while doing my research on this and, and everything from BGG, from the comments there. Here we go. Simple mechanisms for pretty agile gameplay. So much you can do each turn, so you have so many possible strategies that you can explore. Mm -hmm. Definitely doesn't give you enough actions that you want to do, but leaves just the perfect amount of hope that it keeps (laughs) things tense and interesting. And I think
1: that's
0: that's definitely well said. And then on the flip side of all those, a number of folks complaining about the rulebook and the component issues, which we've hammered home. We don't need to do that anymore. That's correct. So... You ready for a summary?
1: I am, and I always go first because I never want to follow you.
0: See, I think yours are really good. It intimidates me, to be honest. Mm.
1: Solarius Mission is a game potentially held back by publishing cost-cutting measures and errors. Stickering dice, gluing the bridge together, excessively tiny original discs, a poorly translated rulebook. But do not let that mask the goodness of this game. It is a game that will make you use your brain, but not in such a way that you're beyond exhausted after playing it. I've enjoyed all of my plays and look forward to more. Cool. Cool. And you?
0: I enjoy Solarius Mission enough to want to keep playing it after we review it, which always is a litmus test in and of itself and a good sign. But I also feel like there was untapped potential here that leaves me wanting more. Now... That could be me trying to impart what I want in the game, more involved and varied missions, planet settling, mini missions, so on and so forth, and the the outpost thing that we spoke about. But it's there, so I can't help but mention it, the fact, this feeling. Now, would I go out and buy the game if I didn't already have it, if we didn't already have it? Yes, I would. And that should tell you right there that I really do enjoy the game, warts and all. But let's be honest here. The warts are all initial issues. The rulebook. Once learned, you're past the hurdle. And the components. Once replacements are used and and the dice are stickered, that's in the past. Then you end up with what ends up being one of the better games to come out of Spiel in 2016. So excuse me while I go organize another game of Solarius Mission for our next game day. (laughs) So as you all know... We rate games on a one to six scale, which one, Burn It With Fire, six, Hall of Fame game. Ma'am?
1: I rate Solaris Mission a four. I would say that it's above average, and, you know, there's something cool going on. I like the dice, I like the mitigation of the dice, I like the having to figure out what plan to follow, when to abort ideas that aren't very good. It um, yeah, it's it's not any higher, though, than that for me.
0: I want it to be a five, but some of the issues that we've mentioned and the vanilla missions kind of keep it from being the five that I want it to be. So for me, too, it ends up being a four, but it's a good four. Yeah, we own the game and we would you want me to go out and buy this if we didn't already own it?
1: Yeah, just maybe a, pre-made cop- a, a pre-owned copy so that we didn't have to sticker the discs and put the bridge together.
0: <laughs> so thanks to Uli and Spielworks for the review copy of the game. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we're anxious to, to hear from folks in the guild and on social media what you all think of the review and the game if you've played it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's Solarious Mission. We want to thank Carmen and Elaine, the great people behind Game Surplus, for their continued sponsorship of the show. Great people, reputation, and an amazing inventory of games, including many imports and hard-to-find games. Their tagline is Home of Great Games at Great Prices, so check them out over at Gamesurplus.com and tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you. And for all those folks who don't know how to get in contact with us, Amanda?
1: Our website is HeavyCardboard.com. Our email address is contact at heavycardboard.com. We love hearing from you guys, so please don't be shy. Our Twitter handle is at heavycardboard. Our Facebook page is heavycardboard. Our YouTube channel is heavycardboardvids, V-I-D-S. Our Instagram is heavycardboard. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash heavycardboard. And our BGG guild number is 2044.
0: All right. That was pretty cool. That was fun, huh? Yeah. All right. So look for us next week, or I guess listen for us. Well, look. I guess you have to read that we dropped stuff. Yeah. Uh, We have the Lisboa first look coming and more coming. So hopefully you guys are enjoying the content. The feedback that we've gotten so far has been unilaterally positive. Mm -hmm. So keep up with the feedback. And don't forget to hit us up on iTunes or other places. When you speak of us, please speak well.
1: Please.
0: We'll catch y'all soon.
1: All right, bye, guys. See you next week.
0: Bye.